Well, I wonder how many of you watching have got a birthmark. Maybe it's a, it's a private thing that you can't show anyone. Maybe it's, it's on your skin somewhere that you, can, that you can show. Any of you got a birthmark on your arm or somewhere that you can see? Nope. I know birthmarks are interesting things. Some people have, have very noticeable birthmarks. Uh, birthmarks can appear on your skin at birth or in the, the weeks following your birth. They're non-cancerous, but they're, they're marks on your body. So you might get a kind of a stain, a brown or a red stain on your face, on your arm, on your leg, or somewhere. Um, they're different sizes. They're different shapes. There are all sorts of variations of birthmarks. Uh, some are moles. Many of us have got moles on our body, and those are, in a sense, birthmarks. They stay on our body forever, basically. Now, we're doing a series called Lent with Wesley. We're looking at some of John Wesley's classic sermons. For years, Methodists around the world have used these sermons as, uh, as their focus, teaching or learning, rather, what Wesley had to say and how he understood the Bible. They are really uh, very important in the Methodist movement all around the world. And so today we're going on to Sermon 14 of Wesley's. He preached it in 1746, I think it was. And it's called The Marks of the New Birth. The Marks of the New Birth. We might call it birthmarks of the new believer or the new Christ follower. Because you see, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you uh, decide to follow him, you undergo a second birth, a spiritual birth. You get new life through his spirit when you surrender to him. And with that process comes birthmarks. Not physical ones, but Marks on your soul. And so let's read the scripture that Wesley preached on in his sermon. It's John chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 8. It goes like this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirits. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the spirits. Thanks be to God for these words of Jesus today. And so those who surrender to God are in a sense, or actually in a very true sense, in the words of Jesus, born again. Born again. And Wesley's sermon was addressing the question, what does a newborn Christian look like? How can you tell that you're born again? And he goes on to explain that Christians have three birthmarks. They're not physical birthmarks. You don't see it on anybody's skin or on their face. But followers, followers of Jesus who are born again by the Spirit are marked. Their lives are marked. Their spirits, their, their actions are marked, in a sense, 
And so in Wesley's estimation, the marks of the new birth, what happens in your life when you give your life to Jesus, those marks are found in these words from Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, where Paul wrote this, And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so Wesley spends his whole sermon explaining faith, hope, and love. If you've met Jesus, if you've been born again by the Spirit because you've surrendered your life to Him, your life is forever marked in this way. Your life is forever marked by a new faith. It's marked by a a deep and a lasting hope. It's marked by love. And so today's message is going to give you and I a chance to kind of do a bit of self-examination. We're going to look at our lives, not at our skin, and we're going to test ourselves to see if we've got these birthmarks, because any believer is marked by these three things. So let's see how we're doing, shall we? First of all, a newborn Christian is marked by faith, by faith. Uh, Last week, Ralph preached on Wesley's first sermon, Salvation by Faith, and we learned it's not what we do that earns us God's love, it's our faith. It's His grace which we are given if we have faith. And so faith in its simplest terms is believing in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and as your own Savior. I like the way Selwyn Hughes defines faith. He said this, Faith is welcoming that which you believe in. I like that. Faith is welcoming that which you believe in. And he says there's a big difference between holding a belief... And having faith in that belief. The difference is welcoming it. And James, the brother of Jesus, actually said something similar in his letter in the New Testament. He said this in James 2 verse 19 to the early Christians. He said, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And he goes on to talk about how faith without works is dead. In other words, a mental belief in the truth of something is not the essence of faith. Because even the demons believe in God. They mentally uh, believe that God is who he is. Even the demons believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. They know it's true. But they don't welcome that fact. They don't cherish it and worship God for it. They don't have faith. Because faith is more than just belief. You know, I think many of us are the same in a sense. We, we mentally agree with the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, but we don't surrender to Him. We don't welcome Him in as the captain of our lives, as the king of our souls. And that's not faith. That's not faith at all. Demons aren't marked by faith. Because even though they believe, they aren't surrendered. And so, how about you and me? <laughs> Are we marked by, by faith or simply by mental belief in the truth of certain things? It's got to go deeper. It's got to go deeper. Craig Rochelle, pastor in the United States, he wrote a fascinating book called The Christian Atheist. And he defines a Christian atheist as someone who believes in God but lives as if God doesn't exist. In other words, a Christian atheist is not marked by faith. They may say that they believe, but their lives aren't marked. There's no birthmarks. There's no proof that they're Christians in the way they live. Christian atheists agree that God is real and that Jesus is his son, but they don't really pray. They don't 
really have any desire to read the Bible or spend time with God. They, they never really feel convicted about the sin in their lives. They just ignore it. Uh, they don't ever really talk about their faith to anyone. They, they hold grudges and they don't forgive people. They see church as a place that can serve them rather than as a place they can serve. They, they don't surrender their lives to God. And so they may say that they're Christians, but they're not mocked by faith. And Wesley in his sermon was saying, this is not true faith. True faith is more than just saying you believe. It's commitment. In fact, I love these words from David Benner, an author who said, what God desires is reverential intimacy. Reverential intimacy. He wants us close enough to him that we know his heart, close enough to hear his heartbeat. He wants to look into our eyes and he wants us to look into his. That closeness, that intimacy, that commitment to your relationship with God is the type of faith that you and I should be marked with. No demon however strong his belief in the truth, has that reverential intimacy with God. And so how are we doing? Is your life and mine marked by deep, consistent, worshipful communion with God? A Christian atheist isn't born again. They may believe, but the mark isn't there. Now when you have this kind of faith, one of the things that comes with it is hope. And that's the second mark on the, new, on the life of a newborn Christian. It's the mark of hope. When you surrender to God, when you live closely with Him, when you walk every day in fellowship with His God you love, there's a hope that cannot be taken away. There's a hope that stands firm, even in life's storms. And in Wesley's sermon, he points this out. He says, God is the great comforter. Even when we have pain and sorrow in life, uh, a newborn Christian is marked by hope, and, and God gives them peace and joy, even in spite of difficult times. Uh, during my quiet time this week, it was on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, I was reading Psalm 71. And this verse jumped out at me. It's become my favorite verse, <laughs> almost just about my famous favorite verse ever. Psalm 71, verse 14. Uh, the psalmist spends the first bunch of the psalm complaining about how everyone's attacking him and how everything's going wrong in his life. And then comes this amazing verse, verse 14, where he says, As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. As for me, I will always have hope. That, that blew my mind this week when I read it. It became like a, like a rock under my feet. And I, I would pull that verse out Hour by hour and remind myself, I always have hope because I am a child of God. I always have hope. I will keep going. I will keep persevering. I will keep standing firm because in Christ I always, always will have hope no matter what comes. And so are our lives marked by a deep, deep sense of hope? Gardner Taylor was a pastor in New York City uh, in the time of the Great Depression, way back in the States. And he told a story about, as a young man, uh, he was preaching out in the, in the rural areas in the States, and, and electricity was still sort of coming into those, those parts of the States. And he was preaching there one Sunday night, and there was a little light bulb 
in the middle of this building, lighting up the whole place. And it was swaying like this. He was watching it as he preached. And then suddenly the electricity went out. Common thing for us today, even still. And in the middle of his sermon, the place went pitch black. And nobody could even see in front of their, in front of their, their hands, in front of their eyes. And he, being a young preacher, panicked. Didn't know what to do. He, he started stumbling around. And then a voice cried out from the back of the church and said, Preach on, pastor. We can still see Jesus in the dark. We can still see Jesus in the dark. You know, the mark of a newborn Christian is that even when the lights go out, even when darkness comes in our lives, we can still see Jesus in the dark. We can still trust Jesus in the dark. Whether things are good, whether things are bad, the newborn Christian has a deep, deep hope even in the dark. And isn't it good to know that even in the dark, Jesus can still see us? <laughs> even in the darkest time in your life, you're never out of his sight. You're never too far gone for him to get you. He still sees you even in the darkest moments of your life. And he walks with you and he talks with you and he encourages you and he gives you hope. Oh, what a wonderful truth for us as followers of Christ. That's why we can always have hope. Because even in the darkness, he sees us, and we can still see him. It's been a dark 12 months, hasn't it? That initial lockdown was almost like a light bulb going out in our lives as we were plunged into darkness. Worldwide, everyone's in a sort of darkness because of COVID-19. Health problems, financial problems are all over the place. Families are splintered. Death is all around. Are we marked by fear in this time? Or are we marked by hope? Do our lives show the marks of hope the way we do life? We've got a God who will see us through. We've got a God who who grants us life even on the other side of death. You know, one of my friends told me the other day that the The first thing that happened when he gave his life to God when he was born again was that his fear of death disappeared. Because his hope was now not in the things of this world anymore, but in his God, in his friend. And so have hope today, friends. You know, another psalmist said it so well in Psalm 20, verse 7. He said, some trust in chariots and some in horses. You might say some in their cars some in their homes, some in their bank accounts. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. May your life be marked with hope, friends. If you've been born again, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, there's a hope that can never die. But the most important birthmark of all isn't faith as vital as it is. It isn't hope, as essential as it is. We can have the deepest faith of anyone we know. We could have hope in even the darkest situation. But without love as our primary birthmark, our lives are still not marked the way they should be. Paul said it in that reading earlier. He said that the greatest of the three is love. Jesus said this to his disciples in John 13, 35. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I mean, if you, you could rephrase that to say your lives should be mocked by love for one another for everyone to see. When people look at your lives, is it marked 
with love for everybody to see. By this they will know that you're a Christian. By this they will know that you're mine if your lives are marked with love. Now, I was preparing this sermon on Wednesday, I think it was, and as I wrote that very sentence, uh, the phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was a member of our congregation, and he was telling me how his wife and him, well, his family, rather, were going through a tough time. And I, I knew this. We've been praying for them. They're on our prayer list. And he told me they're doing okay. They're battling on day by day. And then he said this to me. He said, it makes such a difference knowing that there are people who care about us. And he, he went on to say that Ralph had visited them uh, a few days before. That people from the church had phoned and said, we're coming around. And it pitched up and had been there for them when they needed it. And he said, it made all the difference in the world for them that they knew they were cared for by the people in their lives. And I thought to myself, yes, yes, that's what it's all about as a church. We gather not just to do this on a Sunday. This is huge, of course. But we are a church because we care for one another. We exist we exist to reach out. We exist to go to those people who are in need and love them and send them messages and phone them and visit them and, and care for them. That's the true mark of a newborn Christian, of a person who's really encountered God. It's the mark of deep love, deep love for the people in our lives. And so I ask you again today, are you marked? Is your, is your life marked by love? Is love a birthmark that covers your whole life as a Christian? If it isn't, then perhaps you've forgotten the greatest love story of all time, the story of Jesus. Look at these words from 1 John chapter 4. John wrote, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Why? Why are we marked with love as newborn Christians? Because God, God first loved us. Because God loves us so deeply that he sent part of himself. He sent his only begotten son to die in our place, to surrender, to sacrifice his life for us. He would willingly give up his life on a cross in love for you and I. That is love. Did you hear the words we sang earlier? When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And then that last verse, I love the last verse. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You see, amazing love looks like a man hanging on a cross out of love for the ones 
that he cares for. Amazing love looks like an all-powerful God killing part of himself to save those who need it most. When you get this, when you get it, when it gets into your heart and under your skin, when you get that he died for you personally, when you get that his sacrifice is the greatest moment of all human history, you can only say, love so amazing demands my life, my soul, my all. You begin to love like he's loved you. You begin to reach out to others like he gave himself for you. Anyone who's been born again bears this birthmark of love because when you realize Jesus died for you and loves you, you'll be forever changed. You'll be forever mocked by that love. You know, Jesus' life was mocked. If you look at the life of Jesus, you see these mocks showing up. You see in everything he did and said, you see faith in his Father. You see hope even when times were bad. You see love, love for other people. Are our lives mocked? They can be. They can be. All we have to do is give our lives to the Savior. All we have to do is surrender to him. All we have to do is turn our lives over to him and say, I'm no longer mine, but I'm yours. Commit to living for him with everything we have. And you know, when we do that, those marks start to show up. Some people's birthmarks, I'm talking real ones on your skin, some, some of them take a little while to show up. It's not always instantaneous when you're born that you get born with this birthmark. Sometimes they show up over the weeks to come. It's the same with us as Christians. Some things instantly we improve at. Other things, it takes a while for them to show in our lives. But day by day, as we surrender to God time and time again, these marks show up on our lives. But we have to be born again for them to happen. Do you know today that God longs for you to be born again? Do you know that he longs to give you new life, not just the same old life, but new life by his spirits? Do you know that he longs to wash you clean and set you free to live a life of faith, hope, and love? Maybe you've already prayed and been born again. And if that's so, I pray that you'll stand firm in that new life and strive to show those marks wherever you go. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. You've kept him at a distance. You've resisted. You're a Christian atheist, maybe, believing the right things, but not marked by them in your life. Pray with me now, would you, as we close the service, and let's surrender our lives to God together. Father, how we long to have our lives marked by faith, commitment to you, by hope, even when the lights go out, by love, which can change the world if we love one another the way you've loved us. But we know, O oh God, that in our own strength, we fail at these things day by day. We need a savior. We need power outside of ourselves to do this. We need one who will make us new. We know that only you can let us be born again by the Spirit and give us new life. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will, you will 
settle on the heart of each person listening now. I pray, Lord, that you will shower your love into each one listening right now. I pray, Lord, that each person will, will feel your conviction, will feel your, your hand on them saying, give your life to me. Surrender to me. Because we know, Lord, if we surrender our lives to you, you give us a new life. And how desperately we need this new life. And so in this moment, O oh God, in the quiet, we come to you just as we are. We come to you with our shortcomings, with our struggles, with our failures. We come to you with our joys and the good things in our life too. But we stand before you and we just lay it all down. We need you and we surrender to you in this moment. Oh God, take our lives. Oh God, come and use our lives in every way for your glory. Oh God, come and fill us in this moment with the power of your Holy Spirit. Change us as we surrender to you. Mark us, oh God, with all the things that you need to mark us with. Mark us with new faith. Mark us with a deep hope. Mark us with love. And, O oh God, as we rise and go back into the world to live lives out there, we pray that you go with us and that everybody will see in the things we do and the things we say the marks of our new birth. We pray, Lord, day by day, let us surrender to you all over again. And we pray, may our lives be as beautiful to you as they can be. And make a difference here in the world. Change us, Lord. Make us new. And send us out to live in this newness. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for setting us free. And we go now with a great assurance that you are with us, that you love us, and that your marks are on us. Thank you for this time, Lord. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.